even that. But uh, take your Bibles. Let's go to First uh, Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one, and I want to read uh, verse one through verse number eight. And let me go ahead. I'm just going to give you the title this morning, and, and then uh, I've got five things, but we're going to get through them quickly because it just kind of all flows together. And, and, and the, the end of it's going to be different, okay? The end of the, of the message this morning is going to be a little bit different because um, I've had a song on my heart since I woke up this morning. I've listened to 15 different groups singing it uh, in different ways, and I finally said, forget that. I'm, we're typing it up and putting it down. And, um, and so it's a song my brother and I sang uh, together uh, several times. I wish, wish he was still here. We could sing it uh, together as a duet again. But um, I'm not telling you what it is, you have to wait. But, um, but it, it, it's a song that goes right along with what we're going to look at this morning. Here, here's the title, if you're in First Peter t- chapter 1. The title this morning is, So Many Reasons to Love the Lord. So Many Reasons to Love the Lord. Look at, uh, and this is not the only place we could go. We, we, <laughs> we could go to many passages throughout scripture, but this is where we're going to land for this morning. Uh, but First Peter chapter 1, verse 1 through 8, it says this, Peter, an apostle, apostle of, of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus and Galatia and um, Cappadocia, uh, uh, Asia and Bithynia. If you can say I'm better, you go right ahead. Uh, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now, can I just say this? And this is just a little bit for, uh, for laughter, all right? Um, pay attention to all of the introduction to the letters that Paul gives, that Peter gives, the different ones give, the, the beginning of the books that we read. And pay attention to what they say. And when you look at what they say and what all they say, just in their simple introduction, no one should be upset when it takes the pastor a while to get through his introduction. Amen. All right. So I'm being biblical. Just read, read, read. I mean, we just went through two whole verses and he just introduced himself. That's all he did. All right. So moving. Y'all done. Laughter is good for the heart, right? All right. Here we go. Verse number three. Uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This is not the message, but here is, it, we'll, we'll hit it a little bit, but if you doubt whether or not you keep your salvation or God keeps your salvation, verse 5 answers it. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Salvation is of God, by God, and kept in the power of God. All right, well, moving on. This is a mini-sermon, Okay. Verse number six, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, 
that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though ye now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm going to stop right there. And uh, we're going to look at these verses and just kind of give us five simple areas. And there's a lot more we could do. But just for this morning, five simple areas found in these verses that, uh, that build an understanding for us in, in this thought of so many reasons to love the Lord. Uh, let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for what we've already uh, enjoyed in song and fellowship, and Lord, even the Sunday school hour. Lord, I pray that now as we open your word, uh, would you draw us uh, to this thought and the appreciation of who you are, Lord, and, and just, just a few of the many, many reasons that it, uh, it should be so easy to love you. I pray that you would help us to see it, Lord, and may it this morning just be an encouragement to the child of God. If there's one here who doesn't know Christ as their Savior, they're not quite sure what this loving the Lord and all these reasons for loving the Lord, what it's all about. Lord, if they're struggling about where they're going to spend eternity, I pray that they would see that need and that this morning they would not leave without talking to someone and expressing their need to receive Christ as their Savior. Again, do a work in our hearts as only you can. Lord, would you bring the conviction that's needed when it's needed, and also would you bring the encouragement that we need this morning? Tune our hearts to you, we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. As we look at this, I'm just going to give you five reasons from this passage of why it, it's so easy to love the Lord. Let's just jump on in, shall we? Number one, it's so easy to love the Lord because of our hope. Verse number three talks about a lively hope. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. Uh, what makes our hope lively or alive? What makes it real every single day? What gives it the life in hope? Well, there's just two simple things. His resurrection, knowing that it is a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. <laughs> I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Right? He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. I know it's not, um, it's not uh, our, our Resurrection Sunday celebration time frame yet. But by the way, uh, it's much like the, the, the recognition of the birth of Christ. We oftentimes get stuck thinking about it one time a year. And we tend to get stuck thinking about he's alive one time a year. But our hope is found in the fact that we serve a risen Savior. It is a lively hope. Why? Because he's alive, my hope's alive. And the fact that he will never die means my hope never dies. Now, it might wane a little because I get my eyes off him. But uh, just like Peter found out, as soon as you look back, everything you need is still right there. Hope hasn't gone away. It's still alive. 
As long as Christ lives, our hope is alive because it is in him and in his resurrection, which will never change and never end. He is alive evermore. And one day will be reigning as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, with no denial. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is coming whether they like it or not. But here's the thing. It's not just his re resurrection. It's our regeneration that gives us hope as well. It's the fact that I was once dead without Christ. I was once empty without Christ. There was a void within me without Christ. But yet when I received him as my savior, that which was empty became full. That which was dead became alive. Uh, that which uh, felt uh, so far away has now been brought nigh by Christ. We are begotten and brought into spiritual existence, the ability to actually fellowship with the Father. It is the hope that I have because of Christ. It is the hope I have because of Him dwelling in my life through the Spirit of God. It is that hope, just one reason why it should be so easy to love the Lord. Secondly, and this might seem odd, but because of our heaviness, because of our heaviness. Verse number six says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That word, word temptations, not just talking about uh, being tempted with sin, but we're talking about troubles, trials, problems, heaviness. Yeah, it, it, would, it would also deal with the idea of struggling to fight against the temptation that believe it or not hey you think about it that's a pretty heavy weight struggling against the very weaknesses that draw us trying to push back that's a heavy weight to bear trying to push back by the way uh, you and I are not capable of being able to resist that weight we are not capable of being able to bear that weight but we are not capable of being able to handle that yoke of bondage. That's why Christ said, I, I freed you from the yoke of bondage. Take my yoke upon you. Why? Because if we take his yoke in the midst of the bearing of it, we're not bearing it alone. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. It's not that the burden wouldn't be too heavy for me. It's that I don't have to worry about the burden being too heavy because he's bearing it with me. His ability to bear the weight, may I say, it's an uneven yoke. I still have some weight to bear, but he takes the brunt of it. It's not one where, by the way... It, People, people in this world serve the God of this world and they don't even understand what they're doing. The God of this world, Satan, the one who loves to rule and reign in the hearts of lost men, he, and he, by the way, he'd love to cause problems in the hearts and lives of the, the child of God. But he has a yoke as well but with his yoke, the weight of burden, the greater weight, lies on the individual. 
He doesn't take the greater weight. Matter of fact, half the time, he's not, he's not even in on his side. He done walked off and left it with you. He just, he just says, hey, come on, come on. We, come. He's yoked up long enough to get you in, and then once he locks it, then he, <laughs> he walks off and says, hey, good luck. And they wonder why they're miserable. They wonder why they feel like nobody, nobody cares. They wonder why it seems like everything's falling apart and there's nothing they can do. And the, the more they try, the worse it gets. And may I say, uh, life will do that to you. And the one who, who gives the yoke of this life, when it comes to the curse of this life, Satan, his yoke is not easy and it, it, it's not light. The burden he places because he doesn't bear any of it, he eventually displaces it all on the individual and then walks away. Laughing, by the way, and jeering. But I have a Savior who freed me from the yoke of sin. Who freed me from the burden of a cursed life. Though, by the way, I still bear some of the same problems and pain that sin has caused as a curse in this life. And until I'm out of here, I'm going to face pain. I'm going to face sorrow. I'm going to have heaviness of some things. But here's the, here's the difference. When I received Christ, I received a partner in, the, in this life that not only has taken care of my eternity, but he is ever with me closer than a brother. And because though I know I'm going to be in heaviness at times, if though for a season that heaviness might be there, I can still rejoice in the heaviness. Why? Because I am yoked up with one who's still bearing the brunt of the weight. And I'm yoked up with one who's never going to throw on me without being there. By the way, he will give me more than I can bear and the weight will be heavy. But why does he do it? It's for a purpose. Because when I realize I can't do it, I only have one place I can turn to. And he wants me to do that all the time. So when I, if I start leaning on myself, he'll let a little bit more of the weight come my way. Because the, the, the heavier it gets, the less I can do, the more my help and then he's like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. Now that you're looking back to me let, me, let me, let me show you who actually gets you through the heaviness. And so he pulls us in closer as we look to him. And may I say there's three things heaviness does for us. Heaviness tenders us. Heaviness will make us tender. When we get hard and we get calloused, Heaviness in our life will, it's kind of like that meat tenderizer. You ever felt like you're the meat and God's the tenderizer? Boom, boom, boom. Oh, okay. And, and, and you're like, Lord, I think I've been beat as much as I can be beat. Uh, by the way, if you do any cooking like that, do you stop when the meat says stop? No. That cow can cry all at once, it can moo all at once, all right? But it don't matter. If, they, if it's still mooing, you need to keep eating it because I ain't eating it, all right? <laughs> but here's the thing. The, uh, the, the, you're you're going to tenderize that meat. Why? Because the, the, one cook, the one who's going to be providing the meal and all, the one that actually knows what it needs to be, they're not going to stop tenderizing until they, that meat is ready and it's going to be the best it can be. And by the way, God sometimes lets the heaviness of, the, of these things hit us. And we are in, in seasons, in heaviness, if, if but for a season. We still greatly rejoice, even though if it need be at this time, we're in heaviness because God wants to tenderize us. He wants to make us tender. 
It also, heaviness teaches us. Uh, we learn in the heavy times. We learn more through trials than through, from, from all the books and all the different things. Your, your experience in walking through heaviness with God will teach you more than anybody else telling you what they learned. And heaviness, uh, the third thing, heaviness toughens us. By the way, parents, be careful. Be careful saving your kids from every single hardship. Be careful saving your children from every single heartbreak and, and heartache and struggle of life and difficult thing that they may, not, they may not be able to handle too well. Be careful. Now, I understand we're supposed to be, we're, we're supposed to be protectors in a sense, but sometimes we go from a, diff, there's a great difference between uh, uh, sheltering and isolating. You isolate and there's nothing to learn. You isolate and, and when they one day face life, they get hit with it full or full throttle, and they have no clue. They've been not prepared. They don't know how to face it. Wham! They're done. Semi-truck. They don't know how to get out of the way. Oh, what's that? Oh, that's big. Wham! Heaviness teaches us. Heaviness at times toughens us up a little bit. Well, I'm offended. Well, maybe you ought to be offended a few more times because it might actually, you know, build up the ability to, to have a little bit of an alligator hide. Learn how not to be offended about everything. Learn, learn, learn how, to, how to take some hits and just keep on going. Learn how to take a punch and don't punch back. Are you kidding me? I ain't doing that. Um... Consider him. What did Jesus take? They slapped him. Now, let me ask you a, just a quick question, fellas. And I'm trying to be encouraging, so I'm not, I'm, I'm trying, I don't want to go too far with this. But what would you rather have from another guy if you were getting into an altercation? I'd rather not have any of it. Okay, I get that. But if you had a choice between two, for him to punch you or slap you, which one would you rather? A punch. There's something demeaning about a slap. Well, great. Slug me already. I mean, that, that's insulting. And they, they slap the Lord across the face. I'd rather have a sucker punch in my, in my gut than a slap across the face. Think about it. Sometimes the heaviness of life, sometimes the difficult things we face, sometimes the undesirable things, they tender us, they teach us, and they toughen us. Not to make us hard and calloused, but to help us be able to handle some things in life. If I can't handle some tough times, I'm in trouble. By the way, have y'all noticed life's not getting any easier? Why does God send me through some tough times earlier in life? Because he knows if I, don't, if I can't handle these, these tough times here, I ain't prepared for what's coming. Uh, Lord, it was hard to lose so-and-so and hard to lose so-and-so, but those were difficult. Wait for when it gets closer and closer to home. 
How do I handle loss that is so close? Like, Lord, that's hard. That's why I've been preparing you to be able to handle and look to me. Because I know, I know what one day you're going to face. I want to toughen you up a little bit and help you know that you don't have to try to bear the burden. Look to me. Because you will crumble under the weight unless you let me bear it with you. It's so much easier to love the Lord when we realize even in heaviness, he makes me tender, he teaches me, and he toughens me up some. How about number three? Verse number five talks about dealing with because of our help. Uh, you notice in verse number four, it, it, um, it deals with an inheritance, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Uh, and, and verse number four, deal with the inheritance that is reserved or kept in heaven. And verse number five deals with the saints being kept here on earth uh, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. It is our, our help, the help that he is to us, uh, that he, he keeps us by his intercession. Uh, he is our interceder. The Bible talks about the one that makes intercession for us and, and went to the Father. He is our interceder on our behalf in heaven. He's preparing that place in heaven. There's great things awaiting the child of God. Boy, that, 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 just think about what's waiting. That's enough to say, wow, man, he's really good to us. But then on that, but beyond that, he doesn't, he doesn't just say, hey, you got good things coming, so if you can survive, if you can make it on your own, there's good things on the way. No, no, no. He, as much as he's got things kept and ready and prepared for us, and, and he's told us, again, we have no clue what it even looks like. I have not seen, ear hath not heard. Honestly, as much as we try to describe it, we can't even get close. And so we just, we can rejoice about what we can understand in a very small view of it, but it's going to be far beyond what we can even imagine. But it's not just about eternity that makes it so wonderful. It's the fact that even the nasty now and now, uh, that the heaviness we go through, we already talked about, we still have that hope that we talked about. And he is our help even today. We are kept by his power, kept by, by the way, by his divine nature. Uh, I don't have to turn there, but I'm just going to go over very quickly. In 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse number 4, it says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Well, we already have a human nature. That's the problem. But by the exceeding and great, great and precious promises, we are by these able and might be able to be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And by the way, I have in this life a God who is ever with me, giving me the ability that is not in my nature to have, but in his nature, his divine nature. I am able to live in this life and yet able to please God. I am partaker of the divine nature through great and precious promises. He is our help. You could go to the book we're not going to. You can go to the book of Psalms. All through the book of Psalms, constantly over and over and over and over again. Lord is my fortress. Lord is my buckler. Lord is my help. My high tower. I mean, you, you just... Any possible way that you can make an adjective to describe, and yes, I, do, I did listen a little bit in English class. Any way you can make an adjective to describe who he is as our help, it's in the book of Psalms. 
beautiful. He is our help. And that also, it's hard not to love him when I realize how much he helps me. Two more. The cause of our happiness. In, uh, if you look down at verse number 8, it says, Whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. Uh, that, that's, that's a hymn, by the way. We, we, somebody took that and turned it into words with music, and we sing it. Oh, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, the half has never yet been told. But it's not just the joy unspeakable and full of glory just looking to the half that's yet to come. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory just having him with me every day. A joy that the world can't explain. A peace that passes all understanding. He is our happiness. And when, by the way, when it's hard to be happy about much of anything going on around me, I can still have the joy of the Lord. By the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Strength to what? Get up and keep going. Get up and keep going. Someone once said that um, true character as a whole is, is um, not, not based on what it takes to knock you down. It's based on what it takes to keep you there. True character is not based on what it takes to knock you down. It's based on what it takes to keep you down, keep you there. If I have the Lord, listen, uh, just man falleth seven, seven times, riseth up again. <laughs> knock down, getting back up. Knock down, getting back up. Why? Because I got a God who's too good for me to stay down whining and complaining. I got a God who's too loving for me to just to give up on. I got a God who's worth serving. He, and by the way, he hasn't left me alone to do it on my own. He is, he is with me at all times. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. I've got a God who, whom I love. Why? Because there's so many reasons I couldn't even fully explain it. But as a whole, he is my joy. He is my my, that happiness. He is my help. He, 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 he brings me along. Even in my heaviness, I can see his workings. He is my hope as a whole in everything I have. And, and here's the last one for you. Because of our home. The home in which he is preparing. And if I go, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there ye may be also. We notice in this passage, it talks about uh, several descriptions. In verse, back, back in verse number four again, it talks about that place that is prepared and describes it in three ways. 
It is pure, it is peaceful, and it is permanent. Listen to what it says again in verse number four. To an inheritance incorruptible, pure, and undefiled, peaceful. When things aren't defiled, things are the right way. When things are right, things are peaceful. If the Garden of Eden had never been defiled, there would not, not have been a, a, a removal of the peace of God in their lives. Incorruptible, no sin, it's pure. Undefiled, no error, it's peaceful. And that fadeth not away. Reserved in heaven for you. By the way, all of that is in heaven, which means it's describing the atmosphere of heaven. It's describing the atmosphere of the presence of God. And it fadeth not away. It's permanent. That which I have to look forward to, that which God has promised to his children, gives plenty of reason for me to say, boy, I love him. And let me end with this. Even without these, and there's so many more we didn't even touch. But even without these, we still have the greatest reason to love the Lord. It's found in 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. If he did nothing else for me but love me when I was not worthy of being loved, it's enough. So many reasons to love the Lord. I'm going to ask my wife to come.